Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to Mulling It Over here on Heart of Ohio Sports. Uh, we got a couple. We got a couple guys in the studio. Yep. We've got a special guest on Zoom call with us. First, Joey Grzeski joining me in studio. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on with us this week. And of course, we got the Wizard Greg Kin running things, running the uh, ones and twos, keeping us live. And this week, we have a special guest joining us via Zoom, Nick Shook, writer at NFL.com. How we doing, Nick? Fantastic, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So uh, just a little bio for Nick. He's been uh, writing for NFL.com since 2014. Uh, he's also written for Around the NFL, uh, Behind the Offensive Line, Greatness on the Road. Also makes occasional appearances on the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, he's a graduate of Kent State School of Media and Journalism. You can find him on Twitter at the Nick Shook or find him on Twitch, the Nick Shook. Once again, thanks for joining us, Nick. Appreciate your time. Um, so tell us about yourself. What do you do for a living, man? Well, that was a heck of a bio. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, hey, I, I just had to collect a little bit of information. Yeah, yeah, you know. You got a lot out the there, profile, man. I get it. You'll submit it to the government. <laughs> we'll all be watched. Yeah, no, it's all good. Uh, <laughs> it's, um, I write, I cover the NFL, uh, all 32 teams um, from a league perspective. Been doing it. Uh, this is my third stint with the league, but been doing it basically since 2014 had a year where I spent with the Browns um, mm -hmm. as a team, as a staff writer with the team, but I now work remotely for the league from Cleveland and, um, and, and it's, it's great. You know, it's, it's a, it's quite a grind during the season. Um, you know, we're doing news coverage. I'm doing analysis pieces. I do the around the NFL podcast. I do my own podcast, which we actually just rebranded and relaunched last night. It's called gridiron podcast, which is football and formula one because in F1, they call the field, the grid. <laughs> and then, you know, gridiron football, you know, that's puns, cool. Name puns. Right. Right. That's cool. Uh, I like it. And um, and I do some stuff on NFL Network during the season and sometimes in the off season, uh, just ba talk about what I wrote, basically, and um, go to cover the draft, to co cover the combine, go to the Super Bowl, that type of stuff. And otherwise do the whole season from here. Sundays, it's like mission control. I got like four screens in here. I got all <laughs> a bunch of games on at once. We're watching two or three games at one time and writing about them. And and it's just a week by week process. But, um, you know, it's anytime I tell somebody what I do, they all say the same thing. Wow, that's like a dream job. That's really cool. And, and it is. It absolutely is. It's a grind, but it's definitely a yeah. very cool career to have for sure. And uh, it gives me opportunities to speak with people like you. So uh, that's awesome. What inspired you to get into media? I mean, what what got you into this in the first place? Uh, my dad, <laughs> plain and simple. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, my dad, who is a, he's a Tiffin native who, uh, I, I grew up in the Akron area, but he grew up in Tiffin. He's been a sports nut since he was a kid. And he essentially as, as, as his only son, he essentially molded me to be a sports nut as well to where, um, <laughs> he, he did a little bit of journalism studying at Kent state when he was in college and didn't end up pursuing it. And that always kind of piqued my interest. So by the time I got to high school, I started pursuing that as, you know, I wanted to be an architect and design stadiums. And then I figured out I wasn't good at math. So this was <laughs> my second option was, all right, let's do journalism. I had, I had a, I had a teacher tutoring me one time and she's like, what do you want to do for a career again? I was like, I want to be an architect. And she's like, she stops and she looks at me and she goes, you know, you have to be good at math for that, right? <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe I should pursue something else. So I pursued journalism, went to Kent State, great journalism school there, got a great education, got a lot of reps, um, student media, internships, all that stuff. Was able to come out, got an internship at NFL Films and kind of parlayed that into this. And um, and it's just basically because I've always been into sports. Um, I had an interest in journalism in general. Uh, but definitely focused on sports and was fortunate to end up where I am now. And I'll tell you what, I'll give you guys this quick little anecdote here. 
Uh, I knew that this is what I wanted to do when I was in high school. I went to St. Mary High School, you know, LeBron James. And he used to come back from time to time. And he came back when he won his first MVP. And I think it was 2009. And he had his MVP acceptance, you know, press conference and all that stuff at the high school in the gym. Wow. And ESPN came to cover it and they said, hey, we want one of your students to write something for our high school vertical. It was just called ESPN Rise at the time. And I was chosen to write it. So I'm in there talking to Dan Gilbert and Danny Ferry and some of LeBron's wow. teammates. And I'm like, in heaven, I'm on cloud nine. And I'm like, this <laughs> is what I want to do. And I'll tell you what, to this day, when I go cover things in person, I was at CJ Stroud's you know, pro day in Columbus a couple of weeks ago. I still get that same feeling I got that day. And that's how I know I'm doing the right thing. That's awesome. That's, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, it's a passion. And that's what it has to be. It has to start there with a passion before it ever becomes anything else. So uh, you mentioned your your Tiffin, you have some Tiffin ties. What, what, how often, I mean, how often are you in this area and what ties do you have to this area? Well, I'll be there this weekend for Easter. Oh, there Uh, we go. My my grandparents still live there. Uh, My dad and aunts both grew up there. My aunts live in the Columbus area now. My dad lives in the Akron area. But uh, I've been going out there to see my family, my extended family. All the Shooks in Tiffin, those are all my family. Uh, There's a lot of Shooks in Northeast Ohio. And I'll get asked, like, are you related to Peter Shook who lives in Canton? I'm like, no, different Shooks. Mine are in the other corner of the state. Uh, So I'm back there a lot for holidays. Um, I've spent a lot of time there as a kid. Uh, spent some time in the summers up in Sandusky over at uh, Catawba Island where my grandparents used to have a uh, cottage and, uh, you know, along Lake Erie. And um, so I'm there a lot. I understand it well. I actually almost went to Heidelberg uh, for college. Wow. I ended up going to Baldwin Wallace before I transferred to Kent because uh, I was playing football there. And uh, it came down to Heidelberg and BW and I chose BW. But uh, that's a cool school, cool campus, really cool community. It's not a big town, yeah. as you guys know, but mm-hmm. uh, it's where my family's from and I know it well. Well, you mentioned your dad. Uh, that's actually how we connected here. Your dad, Greg, he followed us on our run with Tiffin Columbian Baseball last year. Now, he is a very passionate fan. Let me just say <laughs> yeah. that. Um, but you mentioned football as one of the sports you played. What, what other sports did you play growing up? Uh, I played football, baseball, and basketball. And then by the time I got to high school, I mean, I went to St. V. I wasn't going to play basketball at St. V because you know, <laughs> perennial state power. So I was, I knew better than to go out for basketball in high school. I played CYO high school uh, basketball, but I played baseball and football at St. V. And then after injuring my shoulder, I just finished playing football and, and went to Division three to play and then left that, gave it up and, and transitioned because I knew basically I needed my brain more than I needed to play, continue playing because mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to use for my career. And that's how I ended up at Kent. Now, you mentioned you've spent some time in Tiffin. Have you ever been to uh, MST, Madison Street? Uh, yes. And um, I've also been to, my dad grew up, what is it? Is it called Peaceful Valley or something like that? That's where Heidelberg Stadium is Hidden now. Hidden Valley or Peaceful Valley? Yeah, something like something that. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> uh, he he grew up in a house right up uh, perched right up on that hill oh, there. So okay. I've been down there. I've been to Heidelberg Stadium. I've been to Frost Calno, where they yep. play all the events, <laughs> yes. uh, all the sports. I've, I've been to many Calvert games uh, in the day. He's, he's a Calvert grad. So yeah, I've there we go. It. I love it. I love it. I am also a Calvert grad. So that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Seneca's baby. Yep. <laughs> so it says on your Twitter bio that you're a gamer. What kind of games you get down on, man? Uh, mostly sports and like a first person shooter, like a call of duty or a battlefield right now, uh, MLB, the show came out recently. So I've been playing a lot of that. 
might actually get on there tonight and play a little bit. Uh, me and a couple of my buddies like to play the co-op online with each other, and it makes for some good fun. We had a um, we had a couple thrilling wins last week on Twitch, but it's something that I actually got into. I've been playing video games since I was a kid. Again, my dad. He, I'm five years old, and he's like, hey, do you want this for Christmas? And I didn't even know what video games were. And he gets me a PlayStation. <laughs> that sounds like me. <laughs> part of, it was part of the indoctrination, I'm telling you guys. He buys me a PlayStation, and the three games he gets me are MLB 98, NASCAR 98. He gets me Madden 98. And then he also gets, um, God, what was the NBA game? It wasn't like Fast Break, but it was like, and not Hang NBA Time, Live? but maybe it was Hang Time. It was like Live's Precursor, or it was the 99 <laughs> Sports version of that, which was also 98. I and we still make this joke to this day. We used to play NASCAR uh, with each other in the basement, where he would like fall out of the race and he'd just turn his car around and drive the opposite direction, try and wreck everyone. And the game would repeatedly go, "You're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way." So like every once in a while, I'll just look at him over hanging out or something. I'll be like, "Hey, you're going the wrong way," and he just starts cracking up. So it started there, and I've been a lifelong gamer. And um, I started doing Twitch because. I was working with EA, the makers of Madden, um, this past summer to promote the Madden Championship Series, which is EA's esports competitive Madden oh, tournament. Okay. And it's a series of tournaments that they run. That's pretty and, cool. Um, yeah, they were like, we want you to cover it. And, I'm, and you know, my editor was like, hey, are you interested in this? I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I've gotten to know some of the best players. One of the one guy's won like over 500 grand in these tournaments. He's oh. got like four or five belts. His name's kid named Henry. He's like 20, 21 years old. He's from Chicago. Jeez, uh, written some profiles on some of these kids, played against a couple of them. They're very good uh, and gotten <laughs> to know them as well. And in the process of that, I decided, you know, I should probably try to create a bit of a, a presence myself uh, because it is a, a bit of a void that we have where, you know, in the NFL realm that we we are kind of trailing the other leagues when it comes to esports. Like 2K has their own 2K league, yeah, and, but right. that's very my player base, whereas this is one guy controlling a team. So I was like, Hey, this would be a great area for us to get into because we are kind of behind it. And if nobody else here really understands it, like I do, then I'm going to get involved and I should probably have a presence on Twitch. So that's how I started streaming and, it, and it's a blast. You know, I, I encourage everybody, if you ever want to come hang out and just talk football, cause during the season, it's great. We talk a lot of football while we're playing. I do a ton of Madden on there. Uh, I got an Eagles franchise I'm doing right now that was in an online league. Um, or we're doing the show, or we're doing 2K, or we're doing Call of Duty, doing some Warzone, that type of thing. Come hang out. I play all of them. It's a good time. That's awesome. That sounds sweet. We actually recently just had a Madden tournament mm -hmm. here in-house. Uh, we did, like, uh, it was, what, 26 players in I our tournament? So. Yeah, and I then we just kind of went through a tournament bracket until we got to a winner. But when we got down to the final, like, eight people, there was a guy that was playing. He was streaming from Columbus, but he actually made the trip to the studio to mm -hmm. come here and play the last two games here in studio. So that, it, and he ended up winning. Now he made the trip two days in a row. So it was a Sunday and a Monday. Mm -hmm. He ended up coming from Columbus to Tiffin and then back to Columbus, back to Tiffin and back to Columbus within a two day period. Now, if you know anything about travel, that's like a two hour drive. Oh yeah. Here and there. So you're mm -hmm. talking four hours of driving each day. Just for a Madden tournament. Like, I yeah, thought that was pretty we're, crazy. We're, talking, like, we're not talking $500,000 worth of prizes no. here at all. So, <laughs> no, yeah, it's all about bragging rights, baby. I mean, I, I'll tell you what, if you guys would have invited me and I would have made the final four, I'd have drove out. <laughs> Y'all are whooping. <laughs> what, now, what's the furthest you've ever had to travel to cover something? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I do a lot of flying. I mean, flying to the Super Bowl uh, annually and, and, 
I drove to the combine this year because my my plane from I they had me fly from Cleveland, Indianapolis. And if you don't know, you can't get a direct flight from Cleveland, Indianapolis because no. it's too short. So you got to connect. So you got to go through Detroit wow. or Chicago. It's so so I'm in the air. I know it's crazy. It, it, don't get me started on corporate airlines. But <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm in the air on the plane. I'm talking to this nice lady from Akron next to me. And as we take off and, you know, you start to get cruising altitude. The pilot comes on. And he goes, ah, you know, it's a 35 minute flight to Detroit. Uh, weather there is blah, blah, blah. And he goes, our return path is Cleveland. And it like just sneaks it in there and continues going. And the lady looks at me and goes, our return path is Cleveland. That I've never heard any pilot say that before. That can't be good. And I was like, no. And then as we're descending, they're like, oh, it's uh, 31 degrees. So it's too icy for us to land. We're going to hang out in the air for like 10 minutes and see if we can land. And if not, we'll have to go back to Cleveland. So now we're like on edge. And of course, <laughs> the temperature does not increase. And they're like, unfortunately, we weren't able to land. We have to go back to Cleveland. So we land, and I'm like, I, I told the story on Cleveland Browns Daily from the Combine. We land, and I'm like, well, forget this. I'm, I'm going to get my stuff and drive because it's a four-and-a-half-hour drive from Cleveland to mm-hmm. Indianapolis. And I, I told the travel department, I was like, I'm, I, I'm cancel my next flight from Detroit to Indy. I'm already going to miss it. Uh, I'm going to drive. And did the drive and probably got there at 10 p.m. So that's probably the longest I've done driving-wise. Um, I've done some driving when I lived out in L.A. into different parts of California, go down to Irvine, go up towards Sacramento. Um, but that's mm. about as far as I've gone. Otherwise, it's like flying to L.A., flying to Miami, you know, flying to Arizona this year for the Super Bowl, which is usually pretty easy. So you talk about the Super Bowl. How long have you been covering the Super Bowl now? Uh, Well, from my job about 10 years, nine years. I started at the NFL in 2014 after college. Um, in person, I've done three Super Bowls because the COVID year we didn't go. So it would be yeah. four, but it is three. I went to the one, uh, Miami in 2019, LA in 2021, and then at Phoenix in 2022. And, uh, they're all special. You know, talk about the, that feeling I get when I go cover stuff, man, I, I, it never fails. My first Super Bowl, I'm in uh, hard rock stadium in Miami and they're just about to kick off. It's chiefs Niners place is buzzing you know the fans are ramped up it's it's the build-up to the super bowl is unlike anything else Mm -hmm. and just as they're about to kick off i suddenly feel myself start like shaking and my eyes start welling up and the reason is is i I have this full realization that oh my god i'm at the super bowl like i'm covering the super bowl in person this is awesome so i was like "Eh, first time you know of course that's I've so covered cool. three. I've gotten that feeling every single time. <laughs> this time it was the national anthem in Arizona. Oh, and I man. see Nick Sirianni on the scoreboard. He's crying the big fat tears. And I start crying. Of and I'm course. like, what the hell? I mean, what is I don't know anybody in there. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Stapleton yeah. should sing the national anthem every time. Yeah. It was just like I texted my buddies. I was like, three Super Bowls, three small cries. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> it's just going to be an annual thing. <laughs> That's I don't awesome. think anybody in America had dry eyes during that national no. anthem, though, for real. No, it was beautiful, <laughs> and it's it's just such a moment. You see the flyover. You feel the energy in the building, and it's really cool because, like, you know, my privileges include being able to go down the, on the field before the game. So I'm standing there on the sideline with some of my coworkers. I'm seeing people I, around the business that I haven't seen in a long time. And, you know, as a remote employee, I don't see my coworkers very much. So I get to say hi to people I haven't seen in months. And and you see guys come out and warm up. And I, I remember this year, Travis Kelsey walked out, and he did this thing where he – he slowly walked out of the tunnel. You know, some of the fans there are cheering him on. He he looks around, he closes his eyes, takes a deep breath, looks, hits his chest twice, and just trots out there. And I'm like, oh, they're locked in. And it like it's just it's a it's the gravity of the moment, it's the significance of the day and the opportunity at hand. 
where you see that firsthand. You see Nick Sirianni coming out of the tunnel and looking around for where he's supposed to go as there's a throng of people all around him. <laughs> and then you race back up to your seat. And by then the stadium's full, the music's going. They usually have a DJ on the field, you know, in some temporary booth or something. And, and before you know it, it's time to kick off. And the game, front to back, I've been very fortunate to cover three really good games um, in person. Energy from the start to finish and just absolutely gripping, captivating stuff. So this year, obviously, the spectacle of the Super Bowl, obviously being what it is, but you talk from start to finish. I saw some of the pictures on your Instagram, man. That just that's an experience. Like unlike oh, yeah. anything else, you had an experience where you get to be up close and personal with the players, interviewing them, asking them questions, taking pictures. I mean, just talk about that for just for a second, because I know a lot of us out there that are watching this right now, we, we dream of moments like that, especially me. I've been in media now for about 10 years, and I could just absolutely <laughs> fantasize about moments like that. So, yeah, and that, that's really what it is. It, it is like you're you are living a bit of a dream in that moment. Now, you know, in any job, you're going to have your rough days. You're going to have your days where you're feeling swamped. But it, it's like a big payoff. You know, you find because I get out there. I'm there for eight days. So. I'm covering one team all week. I go to opening night and it's a circus. And then you get to the team where they're, they're headquartered and where they're practicing and you have media sessions with them every day. My favorite part of that process is really the last of the three days because you get to sit down at tables and have one-on-ones with guys and really get yeah. to talk to guys who aren't spending the whole week in front of cameras and, and get some honest answers and work on what you're working on. And, you know, I got to uh, talk about the Kelsey brothers this year since I'm in Cleveland and they're from Cleveland Heights and, and talk to their old high school coaches. And then I go up to Jason at, you know, cause I did Eagles this year and I, I go up to Jason. Hey, I talked to, you know, your old coach, Mike Jones. He goes, wow, you talked to Mike Jones. No way. And, and you get to ask him questions and just get to know some of these guys to where by the time the game shows up, you know, you don't have any bias, but you're like, I spent all week talking to these guys. I know the stories behind them and it just <laughs> right. adds a sense of importance to it. Yeah. But I think overall, um, the experience itself is it's unlike any other, you know, I think the top events I've ever been to in the sporting world, uh, the Super Bowl and probably a Formula One race. Uh, I went to the Miami race last year. It's my 30th birthday, and I was like, I got to go. It's the first one in Miami. I went down there, got a general admission ticket, walked around all day, had a great time. And that felt like a big spectacle because they put a ton of money into it, and everybody shows up for it, no matter where the race is on the globe. The Super Bowl is different because it's football, and, and it's America's sport. Whether people that are fans of baseball or not, I like baseball too, but it ain't America's sport. It's football, and, and everybody cares. You know millions of people are going to be watching – and you're one of the fortunate ones who have a not not a ticket, but a, a way to enter the game and be there. And oh, by the way, you're covering it for your job. It's just it's it's super cool. It is. I, I feel very fortunate in those moments, without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Now, talk about Formula One. You have a you have an interest in Formula One racing with your uh, you got this new podcast, the Grid Iron Podcast. You talked about that just a little bit. You touched on it in the beginning. Uh, so this is about football and Formula One. Now, how do the two of these tie together? How, what motivated you to start this? They don't. That's why it's great. <laughs> because the, the only way they tie together is that football is America's sport and F1 is the hottest new sport in America. And you can uh, thank yeah. Netflix for that. If you have Netflix and you've seen Drive to Survive, it's taken off. I started actually watching it probably... Four years ago, right before the pandemic, um, my co-host and longtime friend from college, his name's Sean Barry. He, he works in Tampa for Fox 13 as a sports reporter and anchor. Uh, he was the one who was like, you need to follow the sport. So I, I checked it out. And just like everything else, I started playing the video game and I really got into it. I also realized I'm, I'm kind of good at the game. Like I, we got into <laughs> a, an F1 league 
We had we ran seven seasons. I won five of the seven championships as well, as, uh, as a racer. Yeah. I mean, I got a wheel and everything. I got pedals. I'm into it, maybe. I mean, I'm totally into sim racing <laughs> the now whole too. Setup. So, oh yeah, <laughs> what you, cool. I mean, it's it's a budget setup, but you know, it's still it does the job and it does it well. What system uh, do you but, play on? What was that? What, what system do you play on? Oh, PS5. Oh, oh nice. Of course. Nice. Of course. Pish <laughs> <laughs> posh. Um, but, you know, I think, uh, I, I don't know, there's just something cool about F1 that, you know, I'm not one for drama. I don't like reality television, but I love sports drama. And there's yeah, so many layers it. to F1, man. I mean, the the inner team rivalries, you know, between drivers on the same team, because, you know, you're both driving the same machinery. So that guy's going to be your greatest rival because he's your greatest test of who you are as a driver. If you can beat the other guy in the same car as you, you're better than him, at least, if not you know, better than the other people in the grid mm. too. So um, I just, I love the drama of it, the spectacle of it, um, the pacing of it because it's an inter international sport. Sometimes you get weird times. Like last weekend, they qualified at 1 a.m. Eastern in Australia. The race was at <laughs> 1 a.m. Eastern. I was up till four in the morning watching the race because they had two or three red flags and a safety car and a bunch of stoppages. Wow. Um, it's just, it's really fun to follow. And for me, it's a step outside of the usual American sports landscape because you know, you, you got your, it's cyclical. You got football season, you got baseball. Football season doesn't end now, by the way. And I, no. I've learned that firsthand. We, we, <laughs> as soon as we get done with the draft, I'm already working on schedule content. Okay. Everything's exactly. a temple event in the NFL now, <laughs> but you got baseball season, you got basketball season. I'm a big Cavs fan. Uh, I live a couple blocks away from the arena. So me and my fiance like to go over into games. We're looking for playoff tickets right now, that type of thing. Um, but F1 is there, not you know. in that. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not among, you know, those other sports. It's new. It's different. It's, Something that when I get on Twitter, it's like other people who look for their communities online. You know, they get on a Discord and they have a community of people that follow and watch a streamer or their fellow streamers. F1's kind of like that because not everyone's a football or not everyone's an F1 fan. Everyone's a football fan. Pretty much everybody knows what's going on in the football world, even if they don't know anything about sports. A lot of people don't know what's going on with F1. Yeah. I'm, at, I'm at the bar on Friday night last weekend and qualifying comes on at 1 a.m. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot this is on right now. And I'm out with some buddies who do not follow F1. And before I know it, I'm doing a full breakdown, which is like what happened with the short that came from our podcast last night, where I'm like frantically explaining, this is really big that he's in fifth place because his team's usually bad, but they've kind of turned around the last couple of years. And this is like <laughs> one of his best performances. And this team right here, this guy should be playing or should be racing better than this guy. But then this guy crashed out and he's on a really good team. And it's like <laughs> explaining all that drama to people who don't know and also taking it in as somebody who's still relatively new to the sport. It's just a lot of fun. Uh, it's really fun to follow. They take three week breaks at times, which kind of sucks, but there's nothing better than getting up on Sunday morning at 8 a.m., grabbing a cup of coffee, sitting on the couch, and watching a race. Hmm. You know what? I might have to take you up on that this Sunday. Interesting. <laughs> Sounds well, like they don't race fun. for about three weeks, so you better you got the next couple of weeks to to get up to speed on everything that's going on. Okay. Oh, listen to the Gridiron podcast. Yeah, we'll get you we up go. to speed. Nice plug. I like that. Gameless <laughs> plug. <laughs> so, all right. You're an NFL guy. Now let's talk about some NFL. How about that? All right. Sound good? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Right. I mean, that, that, is, that is what I do. Enough talking about you. Let's talk about what you do. Uh, so you were at the Ohio State Pro Day. I read your piece on NFL.com. What do you think stood out to you the most from your time there? That's a good question. Um, I mean, everybody showed up for C.J. Stroud, right? Yeah, and, for sure. And, and, and in those environments, those guys are usually not going to get tested. They're not going to be put in situations where they're going to look bad. So you expected him to be good. But what I saw was a confirmation of what I got from the combine. Because what I like to do is I follow college football. And I know who's who. But I don't really pay attention to projections yet when I get to the combine. Because I do an all-combine team piece every year where I sit in the suite at Lucas Oil Stadium for all the workouts every day. Seven, eight hours a day. 
there's the combines a grind, but yeah. it's totally worth it because as I sit there, I'm taking notes on every guy and every rep and every drill. And I start to take note of who is standing out. Then I compare it against some of the testing that they did that you're not really focusing on other than the 40. And I start to piece together, wow, this guy had a really good workout. This guy had a really good workout. And what I found in this process, and this is kind of unintentional, uh, every once in a while, a, a, a future all pro, what they call a blue chip player, just stands out. It, just mm-hmm. the way they go through the drills just stands out. I think a Tristan Morphs, he was clearly the best player at his position in his yeah. workout a few years ago. Rookie, all pro. Cam Jurgens last year, second round pick of the Eagles. Everyone's like, they got Jason Kelsey. I can't believe they drafted his replacement. Jason Kelsey is on a podcast live when that pick is made and says, I told them to draft him because they yeah. asked me to scout <laughs> these centers. And I said, that's the guy. And I'm like, oh, that's confirmation because that's the guy who made my all combine team because I saw the same thing he saw. So what's really cool about that is being able to kind of break down these guys individually and understand who's who and how they get better. And when I watched cj stroud at the combine now mind you i wasn't the biggest cj stroud guy at ohio state because i unfortunately the one ohio state game i've been to in the last four years was ohio state oregon okay and it was ohio state oregon because yeah. my good friend and coworker out from la is an oregon grad and he's like i gotta fly back we gotta go to the shoe and i was like let's do it come in we'll drive down so we get tickets first off I didn't know. He's like, tickets are cheap. And I'm like, really? This would be a big game. He bought tickets in the Oregon seated, sitting set, like the section where they sit. Like, I'm surrounded by Oregon fans in Columbus. I'm like, what the hell is this? So I had to fight through that. We're way up in C deck, you know, everything else. And then Stroud, it's his first game. He just looks inexperienced. He looks a little overmatched. They get beat. I'm like, man, I don't know if that kid's got it. I don't know if he's got the dog in him, if he's got the, the moxie that you need to succeed. And he's proven you wrong with his performance over the last year and a half, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That game against Georgia was huge. The game against Utah, there was no defense played, but he really played well. But I was wondering whether that was actually going to stand out in his workout because he doesn't use his legs enough. And he talked about that at the combine. He does not move and use his athleticism nearly enough to extend plays that would really make him a special guy. I think he's still special without it. But right. what I saw in his workout at the combine was hitting every throw, every throw, no matter what, perfect polished consistent form no matter the depth of target no matter what he had to do with his feet it was all there it was one of the best throwing sessions i've ever seen and i've been in in attendance for the justin herbert workout and, and other guys workouts okay. last year we're not going to talk about it because desmond ritter was you know malik willis it wasn't a great group last year but <laughs> i was like man this guy's awesome and the talk of the town that week was anthony richardson because he tested off the charts and he looked really good in his throwing workout too but there were some areas where i was like yeah i can see why he's not as consistent at the collegiate level you can see it in his fundamentals he lacks polish and needs to work on that footwork mainly stroud did not have those issues so i go to stroud's pro day and i'm like yeah he'll probably look good you know it's everybody looks good at their pro day for the most part unless they're out of shape he looked awesome again and i'm at field level seeing it right next to some of his teammates right behind him seeing it all right there because uh, I, you know, I'm standing next to Pete Carroll and these guys, you know, all that whole group of people back there. You can't see me on TV because it's too tight of a shot, but I'm there. Trust me, I was there. <laughs> and I was very surprised, not surprised, but I was impressed. It was confirmation of what I saw at the combine. And then I talked to and, Marvin Harrison Jr. afterward, and he had nothing but positive things to say about him. And he's like, you're going to get yourself, you know, a star right away. And, and he was, you know, it, it says a lot to me when your teammates who are your stars mm. who are coming back to college, go run routes for you at your pro day. Yep. And yeah. I was like, did you feel like you need to do that? He goes, no, I just knew I was going to, cause that's CJ's my guy and I'm going to do it. And I was like, that, that, that checks the box of do his teammates like him. You know, it's no Bo Callahan draft day situation where nobody shows up to his birthday party. Everybody's there <laughs> to support CJ Stroud. So he's, he's my QB one. 
He is. And I know that Bryce Young, some people think he's going to be QB1. I think Stroud's more built for it. And what the way I describe him is this. If you're looking for a quarterback that you can insert into a system that doesn't have a ton of holes that's going to get him Tim couched, then he's going to win you ball games. He's going to win you a lot of football games. He's going to have the quickest path to start him among these quarterbacks in this group. And I saw I was that all that was confirmed from this whole pre-draft process. Yeah, and there was a lot of I mean, there's a lot of buzz after the combine on his performance at the combine. And like you said, I think a lot of scouts were there at the pro day to kind of get that confirmation. And from everything I've heard from all different sources, not just yourself, but everybody that was there, everybody's kind of in, in, I mean, everybody kind of agrees with what you mm -hmm. said. I mean, they, the proof is in the pudding. You watch the guy on film, you watch the tape, but then you get a chance to see him in person, go through those workouts. I mean, now I know he gets a lot of attention, but there's some other names that are kind of intriguing to me where like, I want to know where some of these guys end up like Paris Johnson, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Dewan Jones. Uh, some of those guys are kind of turning heads right now. Mm -hmm. Now give us another name from that pro day that we should keep an eye out for during the draft process. I think you hit pretty much all of them just now. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be the first receiver off the board. It's interesting. I saw a mock the other day that had, Bryce Young going two to Houston and Smith and Jigba going to Houston with their next pick. And I was like, oh, isn't that interesting that they would pair him with the other quarterback that's not his old teammate? If they were <laughs> able to pair him with C.J. Stroud, my God. Oh, my fantastic. God. Chico. Good Lord. He, he had a good workout. The biggest question with him was was his 40 time. And, you know, he runs it, and it's all hand time. So I'm running over to some of the scouts I know and people from different teams. I'm like, what'd you have? What'd you have? What'd you guys come to? And I got like four, five, three. I know Ian Rappaport had tweeted like high four fours. Um, but what I, but the, was the most common time I was hearing from people was like four, five, one, four, five, three, that's going to play because he's not the speedster that you need. Mm -hmm. He's the route runner that you need yep. and route running gets you open at the next level. Just ask, you know, Justin Jefferson, ask Devonte Adams. There's a number of guys, Stefan Diggs. They all get open with their route running. That's what really separates guys. I think he's going to be a great player. Um, Paris Johnson, I thought had a good process. He was my best tackle in the first group at the combine. And then uh, you had the kid from North Dakota State come in, and he kind of impressed me more with the way he moved because I really care about how these guys move. You need yeah. basketball players out there these days. You're For running sure. so many zone offenses, and you got so many athletes coming off the edge. You need guys who can move, and he just really looked really good. But I thought Paris Johnson was basically like 1C between 1A and 1B, and there was Paris Johnson. I think he'll be very good. Uh, Dewan, not the best day for him in terms of optics because he didn't do anything. And this is a big guy. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Makai Becton. Doesn't test quite off the charts like Makai Becton did, but he's a huge guy. His yeah. tape should speak for itself. He can be a solid tackle for any type of team that's looking for that guy, especially if they put him at right tackle. I think he'll be excellent. But mm -hmm. the fact that he didn't work out was kind of interesting to me. Um, and then uh, Luke Whipler, the, the center, man. He was my center on the all-combine team. I felt like I was being biased because I'm from Ohio and everybody knows that. And <laughs> I had three Ohio State guys in the offense. Uh, at four, I had Stroud, Smith, and Jigba, uh, Whipler and uh, one more, I think I can't remember now if I did because Paris, Paris wasn't ending. Um, I don't remember who it was. I had three or four, right? Uh, and I'm like, you know, I'm not being a homer. He really does. It was a weird center group because that you know last year it was Linderbaum was the guy, but Linderbaum didn't work out. So the next mm -hmm. guy on my list was Jurgens because of the way he worked out, the way he moved, he just looked good. This year, it was like a bunch of guys who tested similarly, so I went to the drills, and Whipler ended up being the most consistent. It's interesting because he hasn't played a lot in college over his career, but he sounds super confident. Talk to him afterward, and he's like, I know I'm ready. He's like, I can come in and 
He goes, I'm built like a fire hydrant. That's what you need at center. And I'm like, oh, that's a great description. I don't know if I'd want to describe myself as a fire hydrant, but if you're proud of that, then by all means, go ahead. I think, that's uh, I, think, how you should, I think that's how I'm describing Tommy from now on, like built like a fire hydrant, <laughs> built like a fire hydrant. You know what? I come through in the clutch when you need me most. Otherwise, you're not going to pay attention to me. I'm square. It's all good. I'm stout. That's the word. I was like, you're stout, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, stout. Yeah, I was like, exactly. All right, cool. Uh, so he was impressive to me. Um, and I thought his pro day, it was funny because it was just him and Paris working one on one and they went after each other at the pro day. Mm. I mean, Paris is way bigger than him, but they're going head to head full bore with the blocking shields and everything else and afterward you know we were like hey this is pretty competitive they're like yeah we've been doing that for a while and we looked at each other and said this is the last time we're gonna do this let's go all out and they certainly did so the work ethic is there with all those guys which i think is a big question mark with the super talented guys sometimes uh you wonder if they're you know hard workers you think of the jamarcus russell types Ooh. no concerns there with any of these ohio state guys yeah good it looks like a solid class solid group now when you're looking at this draft as a whole who do you think is the best overall prospect? Not necessarily the best quarterback, but the best prospect in this draft. Oh, that's a good question. I mean, a lot of people love Jalen Carter. Um, I'm the off-field things kind of concern me. The fact that he's not taking visits to guys outside of top ten worries me. Just yeah. the, the I hate to use the term character because I don't know if that's it, but it's it's the disposition I think of some guys. I you know maybe a sense of entitlement, but he's a stud. Um, Will Anderson's a plug and play guy. I think Brian Branch is a guy who's not super gifted yeah. athletically, but he's going to do everything really well. Yeah. Uh, Josh Downs, the receiver, had a great workout. I think Zay Flowers could be a fa fantastic mm. slot, explosive guy for you as well. My favorite guy was Tank Dell, Nathaniel Tank Dell, one of the Houston? smallest guys out there, but he got the nickname of Tank, so obviously he must be tough. <laughs> I love the way he runs routes. He's he's like a, he's got like water bug quickness. You know, he's jittery. But the top of his route stem, he could take it any direction. You can't tell which way he's going. He was super crisp in his workout. Big fan of him as a day two guy. Excited to see where he lands. This receiver class is not big in terms of height, but I think you can get some serious value in day two and day yep. three off of some of these guys. So that's an, a few of those guys that really stood out to me. And the kid from Princeton, um, Andre uh, Isidkovas or something like that. I can't say his name. Um yeah, well, he had a fantastic workout. I was like, that kid's Robert Woods 2.0. And look at Robert Woods' career. It's been pretty darn good. So yeah, uh, I think there's a lot of value there at those positions. And um, and it's interesting. It'll be really interesting to see. So give us a shocking draft day trade scenario at the top of the draft. Okay. I haven't run too many scenarios in my head because I don't want to pollute the mind before we go through the madness. Um, <laughs> And you can get toxic in there. You don't want to yes. get oh, ideas crazy. I'll tell you. Oh, for sure. Uh, I keep let's... hearing a lot of fancy, uh, just uh, just some dreamy scenarios, yeah. if you will, you know? I got two. One's way out of left field, and it is that Baltimore can't get anything done with Lamar, and they pull the plug on that whole thing, and they trade him and get a boatload of picks and move up and take a quarterback. That's number one. Ooh. Number two, both quarterback-related. Number two, I thought it was really interesting, and sometimes this is teams just doing their due diligence, but I thought it was really interesting that the Raiders were hosting Bryce Young because they yes. aren't going to be there when he's, you know, it's time to pick him. They ain't in the top two. They ain't mm -hmm. in the top five. They're not going to make that pick, right? Interesting. But if they if they could move up, I think it's interesting. Maybe they do. Maybe they pull the trigger. Jimmy Garoppolo is very much a bridge. Uh, we've learned that from his the course of his career. And I don't think there's a lot of confidence in a Brian Hoyer as a backup. I mean, yeah, as a backup, there's confidence in him, but as a starter, I think we've been down that road. You guys know. Uh, so I think for the future, <laughs> mm -hmm. that would be an interesting move if they moved up and got him. For sure. Uh, Joey. 
Yeah. You got, got some a questions. My first one is, what do you, uh, how do you feel about that Jimmy Garoppolo, Josh McDaniels out in Las Vegas? You don't think that's going to work? No, I, I think I, it'll be fine. Personally, um, I, I, I like it. I, yeah, I, I think it'll be like what you saw in San Francisco. It'll be like what you've seen in New England for the last 20 years. He's not Tom Brady, but I think he can get the job done. Gotcha. I thought he impressed a lot of people coming back from the situation he was in to play really good football before mm-hmm. he got hurt. Um, and I think that he's going to step into an offense that he's going to be able to acclimate to very quickly. And he's surrounded with talent. You know, uh, it's a bummer that they got rid of Darren Waller, but yeah, there's still enough talent around him that it, they're looking like the Patriots, but they're in silver and black. Right. And I think that he would succeed in that situation. I just don't, you know, any Jimmy Garoppolo led team has a certain ceiling on it. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. even when they made the Super Bowl with a fantastic defense and a running game that was phenomenal, uh, they still weren't able to hang on to that lead and win that game. So I think that's like the peak. If everything else is going really well, that's like your peak. I do think that they'll maximize whatever he has left, and it makes a ton of sense. It's yeah. just funny to me that all these former Patriots are getting out there, Jacoby Myers being one of them. There's a number <laughs> of guys. Uh, it's just it's New England Weird, West, huh? and, and we'll see what happens. Um, I'm not going to expect them to go win the Super Bowl, but I also don't expect them to be the relative dumpster fire they were last year yeah. because – Big Derek Carr guy here. I thought he kind of got screwed. And I think it was because sure. he wasn't a he wasn't a Josh McDaniels guy. I yeah. think it was that simple. It's it that wasn't Josh's guy. Josh went and got his guy that he's got experience with. So they should be better. Uh, but I'm not gonna say they're gonna go win a title, especially not in that division. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now going back to the draft, what are, who are your three favorite quarterbacks coming out this year? Obviously, you have um, Bryce and CJ one and two, um, or however you put them, but who's who's the third for you? CJ one Bryce two let's yep. let's get that. Thank you for that, that by the way. Thank <laughs> you for that. Stone. Um, that I'm, tired, I'm tired of seeing Anthony Richardson and Bryce Young at number one. It's inferior, infuriating. Well, the problem with that is everybody falls in love with the potential, which is fine. I understand. I'm sitting there in the in the suite watching Anthony Richardson drop 50, 60 yard bombs with like a flick of the wrist. I'm like, my yeah. God, this kid's incredibly talented, but the polish is not there. The five yard out that he's sailing over a guy's head with no defender there, that right. concerns me. You look at his performance in college, it kind of fits that. The, yes. the five to eight yard passes were not his forte. You have to be able to complete those yeah. in the NFL if you want a job. So Every single time. Um, I th- Yeah, and I think that he can be – he's built like Cam Newton, but he's a better thrower than Cam Newton, and he's probably a slightly better athlete than Cam Newton is, at least testing-wise. And I think if you can clean that up, he can be a legend. He really yeah. can, but you got to clean it up. And that all comes down to the right situation, which is why seeing him go in the top 10 is insane to me. Absurd. I, know. I cannot Absurd. believe it. If this is no. any other class, he's a day two, day three pick. I don't know if we'll go that far, but mm. – I will say this. <laughs> you have to put him with a team that does not need to play him right away because okay. he needs yeah. time. It's not the whole learning thing. We can go through the whether he reads defenses or not. Patrick Mahomes admitted he couldn't read a defense for the first year and a half of his NFL career, too. And look how that's worked out. But yeah, well, I but will say that a situation it, like what he was in would be perfect for. Richardson. Yes, yeah. it matters so much. I mean, I go back to 99. I go back to Tim Couch. I mean, that, that guy yeah. was incredibly yeah. talented. If he's not with the Browns, he probably has a great career. Yeah. But because he was oh. behind the worst offensive line in the league, kind of happened to David Carr in Houston, too. You can't protect a guy and you can't surround him with playmakers. He don't True. have a shot. I don't care how good he is because the speed of the game is too quick, especially when you throw him in there as a rookie. So he needs mm-hmm. to end up with a team where he's not going to be expected by week six, which they've done in Cleveland a lot over the last 20 years, mm-hmm. to step in and save the franchise. It's not going to happen. <laughs> what you're going to get is one read and pull it down and take off, and you're not looking at a long career if that's the case. Yep. And you're not looking at full development, which is why you spend that first-round pick on a guy. So I love the fit. 
20 to Seattle, sits behind Geno Smith for a wow. few years, figures it out, cleans up his mechanics, gets his feet, footwork right. Next That's thing you nice know, fit. he's a stud. He's the he's the quarterback of the future there. They are positioned to be able to do that. They do not have to go play him. Do not draft him, Indianapolis. You're never going to get the return on investment unless you completely change the way your, your team looks and find a way to suddenly upgrade your offensive line that was more disappointing than expected last year. Mm. Those situations, not going to work out. So that's number three on my list. It goes Stroud, Young, Richardson, and Richardson could be better than all three if he's in the right situation. I'm just thinking of Richardson throwing a DK Metcalf. Like, That could be crazy. (laughs) Freaks everywhere. Just rename the Seattle Freaks. Okay. So you're not a a Hendon Hooker guy, huh? Um. The, the, coming off the ACL thing kind of concerns me. I, I thought he looked really good at Tennessee early. We were robbed of a full season. And the age thing concerns a lot of people. It doesn't concern me necessarily. It's more the the health. I think he could be a, a solid quarterback. I, he kind of reminds me of uh, Tyrod Taylor to a degree, just the way he's kind of built, the way he moves. Mm-hmm. Probably a better version of that. Yeah. Uh, although Tyrod at Virginia Tech was a blast, let me tell you. Oh, um, disgusting. But I, yeah, I, I, I'll tell you what. You know who I'm not a fan of? And this is going to rub some people the wrong way. I don't, I'm not a fan of Will Levis, okay? Yes. Thank you. And, yeah. Thank I, you. I know, he's, I know he's jacked, and I know he's got a cannon, and he's going to tell you about his cannon, but that cannon falls off a cliff at about 50 yards. And the reason is, is so much of his velocity comes from rotation in the torso. And once he has to really let it rip, it just didn't work out there at the combine. He, he underthrew a bunch of, of deep passes at the combine against no, no defender. Yeah. And I'm just like, Oh, so much for that cannon. I mean, it looks great from 10 to 20. I'll tell you, he'll fit it in a tight window. And that's yeah. really the bulk of what you have to do in the NFL. So maybe it works out. There's also an issue with him throwing to the left. Um, oh. I don't know why. But Interesting. like, it, I, I don't know if it really shows up in the tape that much. I kind of heard about this prior. But in his workout, I was like, man, he's really missing, guys. It's like some sort of issue with his mechanics where it, it just, he Knocking couldn't the find hips all the way open there. or something. Yeah, you know, but because it's so, it's like the Gary Sheffield of quarterbacks. You know, he's got a lot of <laughs> torque there, and uh, and I don't know. I think he just throws it off sometimes. I think he's got a good arm. You know, that, at that distance that matters most. And and if he gets put in the right situation, I think he'd be a solid quarterback. But again, I look at quarterbacks as if I'm putting the the future of the franchise on this guy. Yeah, and I'm not doing that on him. No, I Granted. I'm yeah. I'm in the same boat with that. Will Levis. Yeah, yeah I'm not out. a not a big Will Levis guy here. Um, you kind of hinted at some sleepers earlier with some receivers. Um, but who's your biggest sleeper on the draft without Zay Flowers? Since you already uh, talked about him a little bit. Uh, do we want to go by pos- like depend about one specific position? Uh, couple of them. Don't want to bog up all your time. Give me a couple of them. Uh, I, I'm going to go back to Tank Dell. I think he's going to be awesome in the NFL. Uh, yes. As long as they let him be a catch and run guy as a slot, I think he'll be really fun to watch. Um, Interesting. That's probably number one. That's a guy I felt really good at about coming mm-hmm. out. Because I, I just sit there, I text my one, but same Oregon fan. I text him because he's got a great eye for talent too. He's the one who he was like watching uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones workout. And he's like, that kid's got something. And I was like, you know what? I think you're right. And look mm-hmm. what he's done in Cleveland. He's been pretty solid. So I trust his eye and he and I agreed on that. Um you know, I would have to probably go through my roster. Let's see if I can type really quickly uh, on the defensive side of the ball because there were a few. You know, this is a group that um, it, it, there there's guys that you talk about. There's Kalijah Kansi who is crazy fast but isn't yep. quite built to be an every down three technique. He's more of like a pass rushing specialist, a NASCAR mm-hmm. package kind of guy. Um, and I think that everybody's going to fall in love with that and probably overdraft him. Uh, but linebackers again have not been very good the last few years i wasn't super impressed by any of them but you don't like the uh, iowa lap linebacker is uh, campbell 
I think he's a good day two pick. I thought I liked his work. How do you make an all combine team? Yeah. Uh, the Toyota kid from Alabama had a nice little workout. I don't know how I, I feel mean about it. him. He, I just, I, something rubs me the wrong way about him. I think it was because the LSU game, I had a lot of money on Alabama and he really just shit the bed sometimes <laughs> and just, uh, it's just burned, you're burned by number 10. And then your last name, it looks like two, two just really, I mean, I was livid during that game. Yeah. Yeah. You're burned by the fact that you lost money. That's what it is. Yeah. Let's be honest. Um, I, I'll tell you this, uh, the cornerbacks I thought are pretty strong at the top. You know, DJ Turner made my list because of how he tested four, two, six. You can't sniff at that. Um, yeah. But Christian Gonzalez looks good, but that's not a sleeper. So if we're going to go down the list and really look for a sleeper, I'll go back to the other receiver real quick, though, too, now that I have it up in front of me, because I actually want to pronounce his name correctly. That kid from Princeton, man, he's going to be something nice, real reliable receiver. Now that I'm actually pulling up these guys, let's see, his name is Andre Isovius. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and that might be Greek, but I'm not sure. And I'm never good with Greek names. Uh, He had a nice workout. Um, You know, you go down the tight end group, uh, a lot of attention paid to Michael Mayer, but I actually liked, um, I thought that uh, the kid from Georgia is going to be good. Uh, he's a freaking unit. Massive. Um, but, I, oh, he's yeah, but I also think that that's not a sleeper, so that doesn't qualify. Yeah. You're, getting, I, an, you're I, getting another lineman at tight end there. Who's the, uh, who's the tight end from? Is it South Dakota State? Uh, yeah. Let me pull I up think so. I, I've heard he's had some pretty good workouts. I don't think he went to the, I don't think he went to the no, combine though. He was not at the combine. Yeah. No, he was not. Um, all right, so back on the defensive side of the ball, I already talked about Brian Branch. Oh, Sidney Brown, okay, safety oh. from Illinois. Loved his workout. Very athletic guy. Not huge, but put up great numbers. Kind of reminds me of like a, a Talanoa Hufunga, who USC kid did not okay. get to see the field a lot as a rookie, and last year was a breakout star, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. One of my favorite players to watch in any game, any team last year was Hufunga early yep. on. I mean, like week one and two, he's just making plays left and right. Then he makes the pick six on Stafford on primetime television. And mm-hmm. everybody all of a sudden knows who he is. And it leads to uh, an all pro selection. I think Sidney Brown's a guy you can watch out for as well. Interesting. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to go down my list a little bit more. Oh, Clark Phillips. I thought he had a really good workout. The Utah cornerback, um, mm-hmm. not the fastest guy, but I think he's very interesting. Riley Moss. Cause he's going to be the good, like the first good uh, white cornerback in ages. <laughs> I think. Like, Great white like, hope, baby. Jason Seahorn's yeah. the last yeah, one I remember. Exactly. He gets the Seahorn comparison because he's white, but I'm glad that they addressed that um, on combine coverage. <laughs> They're not the same guy. He's more of an athlete than Seahorn ever was, and he had a really good workout. I think he's good. It bumps me out the more I watch these workouts, too, because I'm like, Iowa kids. They had so many studs on the defensive side of the ball, but yeah. their offense is so bad that Terrible. it's just... No, I mean, Kaylin Clark outscored like, him. I know. It pains me so much when we talk about Iowa football because I'm just like, God, you guys had so many studs on this side of the ball. Yaya Diaby, edge rusher from um, Louisville. I oh, liked yeah. his workout a lot. That He reminded me a little bit of a guy who's from Charlotte who I saw in the combine a few years ago. goes by the name of Alex Highsmith. Double-digit sacks this year for the yep. Steelers. I think it was 12 and a half. He was on my all combine team back in the day. That's a good uh, so every once in a while they kind of step out. You know, not to not to pat myself on the back, but every once in a while they separate themselves on the field. Yep. And uh so yeah, and then there was that um Siaki Ika is like a classic nose tackle from Baylor, huge guy. Uh kind of reminds me of Vita Vea a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then there was the offensive lineman from uh, Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan had a few studs. Uh, I was very surprised. As a Mac guy myself, I'm like Dang, why weren't they any better? Because they had a few really good players here. Uh, his name was Jose Ramirez, was the guard from Eastern Michigan. Oh. I thought he looked really good as well. Interesting. Not to be confused with uh, of with course, the third baseman of the Guardians. <laughs> yes. 
most he, underrated he, player in baseball. I have him listed as a tackle. Where is he? Did he make this list? Uh, but yeah. Um, and then offensive line wise, centers didn't really separate themselves very much. Um, I'm looking for this last kid here on this list. Uh, I don't think I'm going to find it, but um, you know, I, I was interested at ta- oh Cody Mock. It was the kid from North North Dakota State I was talking about earlier because everyone's like, oh, Skaronsky's the top guy. And it's like, yeah, you know, he looked solid, but. I like the guys that really separate themselves and how they move. And and he was oh, Broderick Jones too, man. That guy, that guy has Ooh, an incredible okay. base. The kid from uh from Georgia, the tackle. Yep. Yeah. So Paris Johnson doesn't make my all combine list because this kid, he's got the widest base I've ever seen on an offensive lineman. And it, it's deceptive because it makes you think he's moving slowly, but what's actually happened is his base is so wide and strong and firm that you, you think that like he's he's walking around like he's almost like a crab. But he's quick and he's powerful. <laughs> he's extremely powerful, and I'm just yeah. like, my, my goodness, this kid's got, like. I, at one point, I think I tweeted, I was like, that kid's gonna be a dog at the next level. Interesting, sure. good deal. So some names to look yeah. out for. I love it for sure. Love, love that it. insight. Now, after the draft, who are some of the best remaining free agents on the board? Like, if you're a Browns fan and you're like, all right, how do we plug some of these holes left? Uh, wh- who are some of the best remaining free agents not named Odell Beckham Jr. Oh my God! Can we give up on that already? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm Jeez. done with that. We're waiting. Oh, Pete. I got a text from my buddy today. Let's give up on the Cam Newton thing too. And here's oh, why. Good lord! Come on, he's bro. Wa- it's fun. <laughs> no, That's it's fun. he's a name. That's all he is. He's I, washed. He's so washed. I know. Like, but... He was washed two years ago. He wasn't in football last year for good reason. Josh Dobbs <laughs> is going to give you something better yeah. at backup quarterback than Cam Newton. Cam Newton's arm. Barely works anymore. I, I he's lost that. some of his athleticism because that. he's older. This Cam What's fun? for the locker room, the morale of the locker room. <laughs> no, yeah. no, you just oh, not. This is a team that's got a toxic no. locker room. He would have had a toxic locker room each of the last so three the years. Confidence? You don't want to deal with that. You the, don't want dude, it. <laughs> the confidence Deshaun Watson would be playing at with Cam Newton on the sideline because Cam is never gonna, he's always gonna side with Deshaun. So Deshaun literally in. To his eyes and somebody else's, nothing's ever wrong. That you are over, you are overthinking this. Oh, I've seen by this far, with, with, because I saw with. one. I saw one jersey swap of Cam Newton and the Browns, and I was hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, I got you, like you, three I, more. I got like three more days of it till I come back to Earth. So I'm just riding. I'm like on the moon right now, and I'm descent will probably be tomorrow morning when I wake up. I I hate to say this because I. I respect what Cam has accomplished in his career, and I think he's gotten a raw deal in terms of public perception mm-hmm. because people don't like it when players express themselves. But at this point in his career, the most value he's going to bring to your team, in my opinion, is in his fashion choices, not in his playing on the field. That's, okay? <laughs> That's not wrong. but Exactly. The confidence Deshaun would have is what we need to be talking about, not what he's wearing. That's not going to do anything because if you're a starting quarterback in the NFL, you already got to be about as confident as possible. Otherwise, you're never going to be built for the job anyway. Yeah. I'm just saying it would be very cool to see Cam Newton, Deshaun Watson, and Josh Dobbs in a quarterback room. I do agree with you, Josh Dobbs. I I, I love Josh Dobbs. That is uh, about as good as a backup we can get to emulate Deshaun, but also have his own style to it. I mean, the best backup you possibly could have had would have been – Jacoby Brissett, which is what you had last year, who rightfully earned a shot to win a starting job in yeah, Washington. Yeah, we that, we knew that was going to happen. There was no way we are going to be able to keep him after what he did for us last year. For sure. Yeah, no no chance. Yeah. 
He, uh, man, he did such a great job. God in bless that limited seven. role. Like honestly, if you look back, hindsight's twenty twenty. But man, I know you had to get Deshaun ready for this year. I know you had to get the, the rust knocked off. But man, you took you took Jacoby out after he just beat the general. Like mm. just drove down the field and knocked off the goat. And that's when you take him out. Like, I get it. I know, whatever. You had to do it. Had to. But, man, the, the, the optics, looking back on it, it's like, man, you know, like, we could have rode that. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, no. Kevin no, Stefanski right. had you're 230 right. million four, reasons. We were four and seven at that point. We were going anywhere. <laughs> he, had, he, he had 230 million reasons to put Deshaun Watson in. That's yeah. right. Exactly. It was very cool on, like, fourth and one and third and one. Everybody in the stadium and everybody watching the game from home knew what was going to happen. And he converted almost every single time, except like one, I think he didn't get, and then got it the next one. That was, that's the best part of being a Browns fan is when you just have little, because like we, the Browns suck. So when you have little things like that, that nobody is better than you at, that's the coolest thing in the sport. I mean, who's, what's better than a fourth and one QB sneak conversion? Uh, One team was better than them at uh, the Eagles, but yeah, they don't count. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. but that plays illegal now. <laughs> they don't count. They nearly won the Super Bowl. They don't count. I'll well, tell you guys this. Dude, their quarterback um, just squats a human being and forward first down. Hey Jacoby's man, got the it. creativity. It's two human beings that he's squatting. 650, that's no joke. That's a lot. Uh, I'll tell you guys this. That's a lot of man. I, I live. I can see First Energy Stadium over this camera I'm looking at you guys at right now. So the lights flex. are off. That's beautiful. But, and they waste way too much electricity, by the way, turning the lights on at random times. Trust me. But the reason I bring that up is that Tampa game, you know, you're watching, it's on delay. Cause if you're watching on TV anywhere, it's on some sort of delay, Yeah. but the fireworks go off every time they score. So I'm watching it and it's third down and they don't score. I'm looking for the fireworks. I'm looking for the fireworks. It doesn't have fourth down comes up and I'm like, Oh man. And then they go off and then the ball snapped on my TV. And next thing you know, it's a touchdown. I'm like, wow, I can't believe they did that. Now it's weird for me because I grew <laughs> up a Browns fan. Upsetting. It, 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 well, no, it's because it doesn't spoil it because it's relief. Because like uh, you're like, oh, yeah. they didn't screw it up. Because like I don't think you understand. You might understand. This city is so hostile when they lose, especially when they lose in games like that. And yeah, I live I downtown. There for the, uh, Raiders, I don't want to deal with that. The Raiders game, COVID, nah, not COVID year, but when it got pushed back, that like, was that was yeah, that was uh, last days, year, 2021. I was in. I was ready to say not nice things to anybody wearing a Raiders shirt. <laughs> That's a really good. That's a very controlled way of putting yeah. it. Um, they say not nice things. <laughs> my my uh, my fiance is from Oakland. She grew up a Raiders fan, but oh. she she's been here with me for four years now. We met in LA, and she moved here with me. And it's so funny because I worked in here all day, and she goes out and does things. And she sometimes she catches herself among the crowd as they leave the stadium after another frustrating defeat. And she's like. Sometimes she'll plan her day around it where she's like, who are they playing? And, you know, it's a good team. She's like, nah, all right, I'm going to make sure I don't go out then because if they lose, I don't want to deal with all those angry, drunk Browns fans. Because she says they just they stumble up the up the street and they're all upset and they all look <laughs> haggard and angry and they're just like, the Browns. You know, she just doesn't want to deal with it. It's got to be like sounds a like culture shock I, for I, somebody I, who's not from here. And I was going to say, can you imagine not being a fan of football at all yeah, and I, you just have to deal with all these pissed off people <laughs> walking oh, around yeah. downtown Cleveland? Looking like drunk zombies. I could not even imagine yeah. such a scene i don't know what you guys are talking about <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah you know it's not like about... i didn't grow up doing that every sunday as a kid <laughs> yeah that is uh that's unfortunate <clears throat> so let's talk about the browns just a little bit here before i let you go nick i appreciate your All time right. once again but you're yeah, a browns no guy so we got to talk browns before i let you go man um 
Browns traded for Elijah Moore. They signed Marquise Goodwin. Could you still see them adding another wide receiver in the draft or through free agency? Um. Well, first off, okay, so I'm not going to push back against this, but so on the Around the NFL podcast, I'm pegged as a Browns guy, and I'm from here, and I grew up a Browns fan. And I, but working for the team took the romanticism out of it. Okay. Mm. So now when I sit back and watch these games, it's not like I hope they win anymore. It's like, are they going to screw it up this week? Like, uh. that's what it's, <laughs> but it's not like I'm not sitting there going, like, yeah, they scored. I'm like, oh, they scored. Wow. Can't believe they didn't botch that. Like, I am the ultimate cynic when it comes to this, even more than your average Browns fan. It's reverse psychology. It's, that's it's me. awesome. That's me on a Sunday. I swear. Yeah. But, but you still yeah. take joy in them winning. For me, it's just like, oh, they won. All right. Cool. They're not well, going to yeah. be mad outside. Cool. You play uh, reverse t- psychology with yourself. Oh, you say bad now. things are going to happen. The bad things happen. <laughs> once you're, you're, once right. you're in the building, yeah, once you're in the building for a year and you're in the building for the year that they have Freddie Kitchens as your nice guy, by the way, mm. great guy, one of my favorites. But the way that that whole season transpired, it was a disaster. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't imagine doing this every Well, year. I mean, his last name was Kitchens. What'd you expect? <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. So, nice guy, nice guy. You know who else was a nice guy? Nathaniel Hackett. Well, I've, yeah. got, I've got a question here for you. Um, what will it take then for you to then again enjoy the victories by the Browns since you don't really enjoy the wins? It's dead. It's dead it's for me. Dead. Uh, <laughs> it's dead. I will no. say this. Yeah. That 0-16 season killed the passion in me as a Browns fan. Yeah. It really Understandably did. Understandably so, yeah. No, I, I, I'll say this. Um, because I work in this business and I have to take an analytical approach to everything, it, it's dead. It's never coming yeah. back. I've become too jaded as a as somebody who covers the sport for that to ever exist. Now, I will say if they were ever in the Super Bowl and I was there, that would be extra special for, for me, I think. More because like I know people like you and I know people like my dad who would be on cloud nine, my brother-in-law, yeah. you know, all those people that grew up through all this because I grew up with it, you know, through it with them too. And and I understand exactly where they're coming from. But for me, I'll never be like, yeah, they won. They won that playoff game. And I was like, I'm out. Like, I'm done. Like, I'm never going to care about another game that they have again. I only cared about that game because they had, I hadn't seen it happen in my life. And once they did, I was like, checked off the list. Never going to feel emotion for them again. So now I get upset calls from my dad. And he's like, they haven't done anything in free agency. I'm like, just wait. They don't have a lot of money to spend. They got to address a few positions and then they go make moves, which leads me to your first question, which is the Elijah Moore trade was fantastic. And it didn't get anybody excited here because it's not DeAndre Hopkins, but much like Odell Beckham Jr., let's stop shopping at Toys R Us, RIP. Because That's a great way to put it. <laughs> because a toy is not what you need. You yeah. need lug nuts. You need something to keep the frame intact. And what you lacked last year and you've lacked since Jarvis Landry was fully healthy, is a slot receiver who can make a difference. No offense to David Bell, but he's not fast enough to separate the next level. I don't care how good of hands he's got. He's never going to be that type of guy that you need, at least in my opinion. Elijah Moore can be that guy. He's fast. He is explosive. Yes. And he did not see the field enough in New York for whatever reason. They had bad quarterbacks. He fell out of favor. They got Garrett Wilson. They decided they wanted to win now. He just kind of fell out of the rotation. I think he's got a lot of potential. You traded a second for a guy taken in the second round who might have been a first-round pick in this class, and you got a third back. It's a good move for them as well. Marquise Goodwin has not done much in recent years. He's been hurt. If he can rediscover some of that, it's nice. The fact that he's on the team and what we've seen in recent years from him, which is not a lot, makes me think that they still have room. I think it's the best player available thing. I think if you come up at a pick in the fifth round and – it's one of these receivers that you had graded as a third round pick is there. Take him. Why not? I mean, yeah. yep. Anthony Anthony Schwartz can be fighting for a job. Okay. He and should not if you have find a somebody job. you think is going to be better than him, yeah, exactly. Then then you go get him. So I, I don't think that they're precluded or they're excluded from being able to take a receiver. Interesting. As you look at this roster now, what holes are there left to fill? Like, what can you see something that they're going to attack through the draft? Because I think right now you're in a position, like you said, 
there's not many holes left. You can just draft the best player available at this point. Uh, I know you guys are in. That's how I know it's April. Because <laughs> Hope Springs yeah, eternal. I mean, yeah. what'd you God, expect, dude? I got a guardian what. or a Buckeyes hat that's colored the Browns. I know. I, I trust <laughs> me. I got a, I got a Guardians hat that was an Indians hat that was Browns colored. I got when I was yes. 18 years old. So I'm yep. right there with you. Uh, that that doesn't see the light. That's the weird thing too. I don't wear Browns gear because like, I have a ton of free Browns gear from when I worked for the league, and I just or not for the league from when I worked for the team. I just give it to my family now because I don't ever want to be seen wearing it because God forbid. <laughs> but uh, you know, I don't want people to be like, "You're a Browns guy. You you just said that because you're a Browns." They already get on me enough when I. Don't say something positive about the Bengals or the Steelers or the Ravens. Oh, he's a Browns guy. Of course you'd say this. Like, dude, I've been positive about your teams. But to answer your question, I digress <laughs> once again. I think edge rusher is still something that they need. Um, you know, Obo Okoronkwo is a nice pickup, and I think he's an ascending talent, but I don't quite know if he's a every-down guy that's going to make the difference that you need yep. out of that position. Yeah. And I like what they did at defensive tackle with the additions of Mo Hurst. Tristan Hill, who I really liked in Dallas a few years ago, um, you're deeper there. Dalvin Tomlinson is, gives you a starter that you were missing last year, but I think you could still add another piece there. So the front four still could use some addressing, in my opinion. If you could go get a Frank Clark, or I mean, he's not really a traditional end in a 4-3, but he could play Please. that position for them if they needed him to. Um, that would make a lot of sense for them. And that I think be, that... Uh, that'd be great. Line, yeah, and linebacker is always going to be an issue for me with them because they've just like willingly chosen to ignore addressing it. Now, yeah. JOK is a stud. Well, you got Anthony Walker back, but he's coming off injury. Jacob Phillips is Jacob Phillips. Taki Taki is not the guy that John Dorsey thought he would be coming out of BYU, but he's played fairly well last year. But I mean, you got Jordan Kunazic, who was a UDFA last year. You, you, Tony Fields is back there, and the greatest highlight of his career is going to be the fact that he scored against the lowly Texans and yep. threw the ball to his dad, who dove over three rows of people to get the ball. That's going to be the pizza <laughs> at this point. Oh, so you, you need more additions. You need more pieces there, in my opinion. So I don't think they're done there either. So yeah, linebacker, I think, honestly, if I had to look at this roster, I'd agree with you. That's probably the biggest hole. Uh, linebacker, front, front four, front seven. I'd say for this team's probably their biggest area of need. Now I want to talk about Deshaun Watson. Now he's had a full season or, you know, a full season in this offense to kind of learn the ropes of the Kevin Stefanski offense. He's got three years worth of turmoil behind him. How vital is it that he's, he's successful early in the season? Oh, it's very important. Um, not for him, but to keep, I hate to say this, it's going to make me sound like I'm bashing fans, but this city <laughs> is so on the edge of the cliff. Oh, uh, trust me. I know oh, we are. I know. We are one <laughs> wheel off. <laughs> I mean, they, they look at Deshaun's season last year. Yeah, it wasn't great. He had a lot of rust. They forget the second half he had in Washington. That's who you signed. That's who yes. you traded for yes. and signed to that massive deal. That guy. Yes. And it took him until that point in the season because he was basically playing week one and week 13, okay? So you get this whole offseason where he gets to get acclimated to the offense. Kevin Stefanski gets an offseason to tweak his offense to really maximize Deshaun's talents. You add in the, the Elijah Moores and the Marquise Goodwins and whoever else he might add as, as a playmaker on the outside or whatever you want to do. He should be in a better spot than he was last year, but it's so important that he gets off to a hot start because you don't want to find yourself behind the eight ball because – I hate to say this because Kevin Stefanski got them their first playoff win since they returned via expansion in 99, but I think that he's limited in some capacities as a head coach, and yeah. he it's as important to him that Deshaun Watson 
plays well as it is to Deshaun Watson because it's a validation of his capabilities as a coach. And if they don't maximize his talents and he keeps looking like he did, especially week 18 in Pittsburgh last year, my God, you're missing both your tackles. Deshaun's just got nothing. to do. He can't do anything. It cannot look like that this year in any game yeah. or else they will be under fire and feeling the pressure from the start. And I don't care how many times you hand it to Nick Chubb. It's not going to help that much. Now the, the 20 mark, we know all about that. They probably need to make that more of a bigger thing uh, this season. And by the way, I hope you guys weren't on the whole let's trade Nick Chubb for some talent. Oh, Never. God, ever. No. that is the dumbest Good thing. Lord. I mean, Browns fans are dumb and delusional, but... You said it. You said it, not me. Oh, I mean, I am a part of that group. <laughs> but trading away our, no. one of our two or three best players to get unknown talent is just... out. I mean, that's... I. I'm an I'm an idiot and I can't even fathom that. That's your best football player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so um for nothing. Yeah, to kind of wrap up that that response, I think that uh his his first month is gonna be important to everybody and mm-hmm. maybe even more to his coach than him. Yeah. And that's that's a really good point because I feel like Deshaun's not going anywhere. At least for the next couple of years. You got you know, no. you're, you're locked into no. yeah. they ain't gonna get yeah. rid of him anytime soon. <laughs> Stefanski, on the other hand, he's on a short leash, and I feel like they get off to a rocky start. Yeah, you're right. That's I mean, the fans the <laughs> they're not going to deal with that for very long. <laughs> I mean, I I, I could have seen him getting fired last year. Yeah, I, I really could have. Honestly, after the season, the way it ended, I, I would have been surprised. There were rumors. I got okay. So I'm I do picks every week, and and Browns fans and fans of every team like to circulate it when I'm wrong, which you know it's like heads or tails half the time. Oh but, yeah. I swung and missed on their game against the Bengals on primetime. I think it was Monday Night Football Halloween. And the reason that I was wrong, which was the Browns' best game of the season, by the way, oh, is yeah. because yep. I saw signs of a team quitting on Kevin Stefanski. And I've gotten the vibe in the last few years that, you know, he's not exactly a, a coach that everybody necessarily loves to play for. And now, is he a smart guy? Yeah. Does he do a good job with the team? Yeah, for the most part. But, you know, the average Browns fans can be like, I don't want to hear him reading the stat sheet after the game. I want to hear him saying good things. It's like, that's what he does. Cause they, they set goals statistically. It just, it, it doesn't necessarily play well with the average Browns fan. <laughs> so they're looking for reasons um, oh, to, yeah. to get after him. And they're looking for reasons to get after Deshaun. Cause his name's not Baker Mayfield. Uh, it, they'll never get over them. Let, let's not even get into that because yeah, it's we, not never, there. please. Thank but, you. But never the thing is, is, that never happened. Yeah. So besides the playoff yeah, I mean, win, that did happen. The playoff I mean, win, I, that happened. Anything some, else besides that never happened. happened. So just some things happened. Yeah. Not, yeah. It's just things you don't want to talk about afterward. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you push, you push that out of your mind. Week three of 2018, you know, one, one, and one. They beat the Jets on Thursday Night Football. Was I there? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Um, <laughs> Could have been. I, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I did see signs of them quitting on him last year, and then they came out and played really well, and I was very surprised. And then there was another instance where I was like, they've quit on him again, and then they didn't. So um, maybe I'm overblowing it, but um, I do, you know, think that he has to go – he can't go 7-10. and 10. Like, he's got to be 9-8 and eight or better. Mm-hmm. Because the optimism that reigns supreme right now says that this team should be a playoff team. And I think that when you have guys in the primes of their career like Miles Garrett and Nick Chubb and – and you added Amari Cooper, who was awesome for them last year, and you gave yep. David Njoku the extension, and you got two studs and Joel Batonio and 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 Wyatt Teller, and and who knows how long Batonio continues to play because he's been in the league for almost ten years now. You got to capitalize on that. You got to yeah. win yep. now. There's no time to waste. And I will give credit to the Haslam's because last year they could have done what they would have done five years ago. They would have done. They could have done what the learner ownership 
as absentee as it was, had done in previous decades, which is pull the plug, clean house, let's start over. They understand how damaging that can be to a franchise and especially this fan base. So while nobody has a greater bloodlust in sports than Cleveland Browns fans, um, I think that they made the right decision in not firing him. However, his seat is warm. It's not as hot as Ron Rivera's, but it is warm. And a lot of that is going to depend on the quarterback because they're going to go hand in hand. Everyone is looking for a reason to hate Deshaun Watson. And it's a divisive subject in this city. Yeah. But he can do himself a lot of good by going and winning games. Uh, For sure. He could silence a lot of critics by just uh, putting up some W's, especially early on. Uh, So One thing that I've noticed, I've talked with a couple other Browns fans about this. Now, Nick Chubb, you mentioned Nick Chubb. Obviously, one of the best players on the team. I think he's your best football player when you talk about just a natural football player. Now, I noticed one thing in those last six games when Deshaun came in, when they when they ran him out of the shotgun, it wasn't nearly as effective as when he ran out of the I formation. Now, that's an adjustment that will need to be made in the offseason. How do you see them adjusting their plan to take advantage of both of these players' unique talents? Um, I think that that is revisionist history to a degree the numbers say differently the numbers say that he was one of the more effective running backs out of the shotgun um, really? it's a matter of when they decided to do it okay mm-hmm. um because they had to blend two different offenses in the middle of the year last year yeah. Deshaun watson and jacoby Brissett are not the same quarterback and For sure True. i think that they struggled to do that and they didn't find themselves handing it off in the shotgun until it was second and long third and long that type of situation but statistically in terms of yards gained before contact yards gained after the line of scrimmage he was one of the better running backs in the nfl so I think that it can be effective. The whole notion of they're going to go five wide and running back's not going to matter to them. First off, that you knew that was BS because they didn't have the talent to go five wide no. until no. about a few weeks ago. And even then, it's still not as rock solid as you think. So I think that there will be some more adjustment, but I think he's going to be the same guy. You know, He's not a guy that looks like Jonathan Taylor or runs like Derrick Henry necessarily or has the breakaway speed of another great running back. But he's got sneaky good speed. He's got that oh, sixth yeah. gear that allows him to finish off long runs. Yep. And he's a pinball man. He Defenders fly off of him like it's nothing. He is one of the harder runners you're going to find in the NFL. It doesn't look aesthetically pleasing, but it is consistently productive. And it makes him one of the top three running backs in the NFL. And I say that with confidence as top three. Maybe he's three, maybe he's two, probably yep. not one. Or he's one in a certain year. But that guy's going to find ways to succeed as long as you don't put him behind the eight ball. And, and, yeah. and I think that... Coming out of the shotgun and running a spread offense, as long as he's back there, he's been working on his pass catching out of the backfield since I was with the Browns in 2019. He's come a long way. He's not perfect at it, but he can make a play on every down. And they got some depth position, too, where they can go two backs if they want to. They can do a number of different things. I think he's going to be successful again. The history tells me he's going to. I don't see any signs of that slowing down. And any concern about him running out of the gun, I think, is, frankly, unfortunately, and, and no offense to anybody here, including myself, it's how we pass our time in the offseason, which is sometimes we overthink things. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, So I know when you look at this roster on paper, it's easy to get excited about all the possibilities that could be happening for this franchise. You know, hope springs eternal in April in Cleveland. You (laughs) mentioned that. We talked about that. Now, Vegas has the over-under for win total at eight and a half on the season. What do you think is a realistic expectation for this season? And is a nine and eight season enough to keep Kevin Stefanski around? First off, full dis- uh, disclaimer, this is going to give me legal immunity. I, as an employee of the NFL, do not participate in sports betting. So yes. over-unders, I have to write about them. I don't participate. Let's just get that out there right that's, now. That's uh, out of the way. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, um, 
I think that nine and eight could save a job if the division is bad in the fashion in which they go nine and eight. Now let's say mm. they start off poorly and then they get hot at the end of the year. Because I mean, look, Eric Mangini won the last four games of a season when he was there and saved his job. And that team was yeah. terrible. Okay. Yeah. Kevin Stefanski is a different situation, but let's say you're five and eight and you win your, la- your last four and you flirt with a playoff appearance and you're like, oh, they finally figured it out. They put it together. All the momentum's building into next year. It's kind of like 2018 was, you know, everyone was all excited about the 2019 Browns because the 2018 Browns showed so much potential and they finished strong and they just barely missed the playoffs. And maybe Greg Williams should have gotten the head coaching job, which I disagree with, but that was one, some of the talk out there at the time. Mm. If you finish strong, it could save his job, but on its face, on its surface, if it's, we're six and six and then we're six and eight and then we're eight and eight or, you know, whatever it is, you just kind of bounce back and forth. And I think there's a case to be made that you make a change and that's worst case scenario. Cause that means it's another frustrating season. It's a, it's a tease of a season yes. for you. And you're also looking at big changes that could change the entire appearance of your franchise. Wow. So all that being said, what do you think is a realistic expectation? I mean, that nine win season, is that like a, a realistic expectation or do you think yeah. honestly this team could yeah. have, potential to push this over a double digit win total um yeah they have enough talent to and it really comes down to the division strength uh, cincinnati i don't expect to go anywhere um not with joe burr at quarterback and nope and and what they have on both now they lost a little bit on defense this offseason but i i think that they'll still be pretty darn good baltimore Orlando i think Brown is the wild card helps them yeah. a lot <laughs> yeah for sure um baltimore i think is the uh the big wild card because the Lamar thing matters so much to the state of the division. If he's not there, if he's not playing because he's on a different team or he refused to sign his tag or whatever it is, that suddenly makes their contention a lot more difficult to actually realize. And the Steelers lurk because of Kenny Pickett, but I think people are, I, I was a big fan of Kenny Pickett, but I also, you know, I, I temper my expectations here. George Pickens is the better of those two players, but I think they have a nice little relationship. I'm not saying they're going to go win a Super Bowl. This is not Ben Roethlisberger in 2004, 2005, okay? Mm-hmm. We're not quite there yet with him. So I think if Baltimore is somewhat out of the equation, then the path to the playoffs becomes much more realistic. And if you can win the majority of your division games, then I think you get over that 8.5 mark. You get over 9 and into 10. And uh, and then from there, you know, it really comes down to whether you can string together wins. It, it, it comes down to, can you get out of the gate fast? I mean, I took them until last year to, to, you know, basically win a season opener. So we know that they're basically going to lose in week one, right? If, if history tells us anything, <laughs> not to give you a, be a Debbie Downer going into week one, cause that could be very wrong, oh. but you know, depending on how the schedule lays out, but um, they have to start strong and, and not fall behind the eight ball too much. Cause that division is too tough to climb out of. So I think it's realistic, but a lot of things got to go right. Mm-hmm. Number one, you got to be healthy more than anything for sure. Joey, you got any questions? I do. I got a couple questions for you real quick. Um, You kind of already hinted at it earlier uh, with Dalvin Tomlinson, but what does the addition on the defense of Dalvin Tomlinson and uh, Juan Thornhill kind of bring to us and to their respective position groups? Love the Thornhill addition. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually had him going to Cincinnati because I was like, well, Von Bell and Jesse Bates are one's gone, if not both, and both ended up leaving. And I was like, that's a great way to plug and play and replace it and not lose much production. So for the Browns to get him and replace John Johnson with him, big win for them, I think. Yep. Uh, yeah. This is a guy who struggled to stay healthy early in his career, but when he was healthy early in his career, he was good. Mm-hmm. And he was good on a good Kansas City team. And then he came back around and proved to be a very reliable safety. Ceiling maybe not as high as once envisioned, but still very solid. That's what they need. They need solid play. They don't need to swing for the fences. They need doubles. You yep. know, They need yep. singles and doubles. And I think that he's going to be able to provide that next to Grant Delpit and create quite a nice little safety tandem there that they've been missing. Um, 
And, and, you know, Tomlinson is a guy who some fans might think that, you know, the, the expectation for him is too high and you should see how he is against the run. And maybe that comes to fruition, but I think he's still better than what they had before. Yep. And, and, you know, given the market that that was out there, you know, you didn't get Javon Hargrave, which honestly, that's probably a good thing for them because the, he would have cost way too much money and he's already 30 plus years old. So yeah, for sure. I'm not a fan of that. That's not the Sashi Brown way, right? Is no, nobody at 30 <laughs> or older, you know, uh, <laughs> Andrew Barry's in charge now, but it still holds. Um, so I think that, you know, it's a good fit for now. I think what they lacked last year for the first time since probably 2018, 2017 was a veteran presence in there. You had mm -hmm. Sheldon Richardson in there. You had Malik Jackson in there. They were a gap plugger. They were a guy that you could rely on to give you pr consistent production. They just didn't have it last year. It was the huge weakness for them. They couldn't stop a nosebleed on the ground. Yeah. yeah. So Tomlinson should help that. It should also take some pressure off some of the other guys there. Perion Winfrey still got to get his stuff together as a defensive tackle in the NFL mm -hmm. and, and live up to the expectation and the potential there. So um, I, it's, it's a nice addition for now that should be fairly productive for the next few years, but I'm not going to say he's going to go in there and be a game wrecker or anything yeah. like that, but it's better than what they had. Gotcha. And uh, what do you think the Browns plan is with uh, Gritty Williams, not only this year, but in the coming future with how well uh, Martin Emerson Jr. played last year? Uh, you said Greedy Williams? Yeah. Well, he gone. Greedy Williams. He is he's gone. gone. I just he completely gone. blanked out. <laughs> gone. Gone. <laughs> their plan is bye-bye. <laughs> um, we already talked about Cam Newton, but the Michael Woods injury that came about this uh, past yeah, couple of days, couple of weeks. How does that change like the makeup of that uh, Browns wide receiver room? Uh, well, I'm curious because they usually carry like six, seven, eight guys in there, and he he obviously wasn't one of the like the big role guys, main role guys. So he was kind of at the lower end of that. Does that open a room for Anthony Schwartz to come back, who might have been you know one guy out, or does that mean they're a little bit more aggressive in the draft or free agency? Uh, I think it gives it opens possibilities for you to make an addition in the draft. I think it also gives you the opportunity to take a closer look at Jalen Darden, who came over to them from Tampa Bay last Ooh, year. Interesting, really like Jalen Darden. Yeah, yeah, so he's a speedy guy, he's undersized, but man, he can go up and yeah. high point the ball really well for a small guy. Interesting. And let's okay. let's not forget the one of the heroes of training camp last year before he got hurt was Jakeem Grant, who yeah. was on yes. a three-year deal and is going to be back. If he's healthy, uh, I think he could make a big impact there. So I think it leaves room for him to compete for a job Schwartz yeah but mm -hmm. I also don't expect Anthony Schwartz to win a job based on what I've seen in his first two years of his NFL career yeah, so there's room to make an addition I think that you can definitely set up some competition there mm -hmm. Jakeem Grant's a good one I like him especially on special teams for sure oh, all yeah, right uh so Nick once again I appreciate your time uh I want to give you a chance to kind of plug what you got going on uh you got the gridiron podcast you just started episode one last mm -hmm. night correct yep yep so how correct. can fans watch that if they want to tune into that podcast how, where, where uh, can find you could find us on spotify at grid and iron is in uh brackets podcast you can find us on youtube at gridiron pod no brackets uh just use a little at symbol and then gridiron pod on youtube uh, we're on SoundCloud. That's where we host our stuff. Apple Podcasts. I'm actually working on transitioning that from the old page because we have our old logo from like six years ago and our old podcast still on that page. So I'm working on that. Uh, and then Amazon's podcast platform, you can find it there. So YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, it's there. It's just not branded correctly. And then Amazon's podcast platform as well. Nice. You can find it there um, and, and you know, check it out. And then any other plugs, uh, NFL.com slash Shook for all the latest NFL coverage from yours truly. <laughs> Even in the slow time of the year, uh, which is going to ramp up real quick, we have the roster reset for the NFC 
that was published this week. AFC mm. is coming next week. All draft coverage will be there and schedule coverage as well, which is right around the corner. We're going to do a big top games of the upcoming season. We usually do that annually. So we'll probably have that up there in the next couple of weeks too. So NFL.com slash shook S H O O K. That's the URL to remember. Anything I write will show up there. Back <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then Twitch, twitch.tv slash yeah, there we the go. Nation. Now, Nate, I did have one quick question to ask. What's up, Greg? Yeah. Um, will you be covering the Hall of Fame game that's happening in Cleveland against the Jets? And oh, also, yeah. how do you hook some guys up with some media passes to that? <laughs> yeah. Now, that's a question that you have to send to the Hall of Fame. Okay. <laughs> well, that's, we can work on that. But <laughs> yeah. are you going to be there? That's the question. I Yeah, I will absolutely be there. All that right. is one of the perks of being here working remotely is that is always one of the trips I take. And Joe Thomas is going in this year. I know him very well. Yeah. I'll probably be working on some stuff with him as well. So you can definitely count on seeing me there in Canton for the enshrinement. Maybe for the gold jacket dinner. Sometimes I end up backstage at that and uh, at the game as well. I'll certainly be there. Uh, but if you want to get your press passes, yeah, you got to go with communications there with uh, the Hall of Fame. They'll handle that for you. There hey, you man, go. hopefully we can figure it out and hopefully we see you there. Maybe we can yeah, do fingers some more crossed. stuff with you. It'd be a lot of fun. Uh, I know that when I was going through your pictures from the Super Bowl coverage, man, that's a dream come true for a guy like me to be able to do some of the stuff that you do every day. I mean, you're in a very envious position right now. So uh, thank you once again for coming on with us. We appreciate your time. And obviously the door is open anytime you want to come in the studio for a sit down. Anytime you want to come back on for a Zoom call, we'd love to have you on, man. Yeah, definitely, guys. I had a blast doing this. This is a lot of fun. I appreciate it. And yeah, if I'm ever in town and you guys are, it falls in line with the recording schedule or whatever, we go down to, you know, wherever. I can't remember the name of the bar down there. Uh, what's the one that everybody goes to? The, the Clover Club or something like oh, that? Oh, yeah, 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 baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, check that out. You know, grab a beer or whatever it is. Yeah. But, yeah, thanks again, guys. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, thanks again. Appreciate your time. Once again, Nick Shook from NFL.com. All right, guys. That's going to do it. That's the end of the episode. What a great interview. That man. was awesome. That was, uh, was absolutely so cool. awesome. A little so cool. Yeah, just a uh, trip under the learning tree right there. I yeah. like that. All right, so that's pretty much going to do it. Let's wrap this up. Uh, that's been mulling it over. Yes, that was so much fun. Thank you. That Appreciate was your so time. Awesome. Thank you. That was Thanks a blast. Thanks for coming <laughs> on. Uh, thank you to the wizard, Greg, Greg Ken, for making us look good and making Nick look good and making uh, our setup look good. And, yes, sir. Uh, Everything but making himself look good. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> That's why I stay off the camera. <laughs> All right. Once again, thanks for tuning in here on Mulling It Over. You've been watching on Hard Ohio Sports. Hit that subscribe button. Have a good night, guys. Peace out, y'all.